0: Uh, Welcome to the Real People USA podcast. My name is Rick Napier, the founder, and our website is rpusa.org. Our telephone number is 602-805-7000. And Real People USA, what we do is we boost Republican candidates' performance by podcasting and just helping them with coaching. Today I am so delighted that we have a, a candidate out of Southern California, District 45. His name is Nick Torres. He's on fire to, to change things in this country and definitely in Orange County. So without further delay, I would like to welcome Nick Taurus, Republican candidate for District 45 to the Real People USA show. Good morning, Nick. How are you doing?
1: Good morning, Rick. Uh, very glad to be on here this morning. Uh, thank you for giving me the opportunity and the platform and uh, yeah, excited to join you. It's a beautiful day in Southern California and a great way to start the day by joining you this morning.
0: I man, I want to tell you something. I just mentioned this to you before. You are well above your age. And you can tell people your age if you want to. But even if you were 45 or 50, you would still be way above your age. Because um, in my opinion, just you know, being around for a while, I don't see too many people with the maturity level and, and the knowledge of the issues that you have at, so far that I've met. I mean, we've been talking for about a couple of weeks. And you have your finger on the pulse of the American people. So, my first question, Nick, is: What is your past experience, your education, and things that motivate Nick Torres?
1: All right. Well, that's great. Thank you for the kind words, uh, Rick. Well, first off, my age is 29, but I'm going to be ending my 20s here in the next couple months. I turned on January 1st, 1990. Or I turned 30 on January 1st. I was born January 1st, 1992. Um, my What kind of motivates me, obviously, is, uh, well, three things are kind of the three pillars of what I'm running on or running against, really, which is mass migration. Uh, I think uh, mass migration to the United States has had an overall very detrimental effect uh, on the country in the last fifty five uh, 50 years uh, since the passage of the Hard Seller Act, uh, particularly in regards to, you know, housing, uh, wages, crime, a variety of things like that. I mean, people don't understand and really put in context the scale of people we've received since the passage of the Hard Seller Act. I mean, there was a Pew Hispanic study done back in 2015 that analyzed the total number of immigrants we've received since uh, the passage of Hard Seller in 1965. And that total number then was 59 million immigrants in that 50-year period. So if you do the math, that total would be around the city of Austin, Texas, every year to our population is legal immigrants so that's not even including illegal immigrants and if you look at you know some of these legal immigrants include the 9-11 hijackers you know so it's not like we're getting really the best people and uh you know this is something i think that has been a big problem in our life i think it's something that really needs to be addressed: is our overall immigration uh, system not just illegal immigration but legal immigration you know we can't be having things like diversity lotteries or where we're just you know wantonly handing out visas to people from anywhere in the world without you know thinking about what their cultures are like or what their economies are like or if we're bringing in skilled labor so mass migration and kind of battling against that has been always a critical uh, part of my political outlook especially living here in california where i think our state has been totally ravaged by the effects of mass migration uh the second thing and that's why, also, too, just to make a point. Also, that's why the, I'm the only candidate in the 45th district of California calling for a 25-year immigration moratorium because we have to do something that actually uh, put a stop to the problem of mass migration. And doing so, and by doing so, having a 25-year immigration moratorium does that. You know, these other solutions where we need to, you know, address illegal immigration, we need to do this, we need to do that. That's been tried, uh, it, but it's been a failure. Really, with immigration, it's a binary option now; it's black and white. You know, are we going to have continued unfettered open borders like we've had for the past 50 plus years? Or are we going to stop the ongoing flow into our country and really allow ourselves to assimilate these people and allow our society to recover from this massive wave of people that has entered our country? Um, the second thing I'd like to talk about, too, I guess that motivates our campaign is vaccine mandates. Uh, again, I'm the only candidate in the race calling for a total ban on vaccine mandates both at the federal level and within public and private institutions. Um, As far as I'm concerned, my immune system is an immutable characteristic. I was born with it. It's no different than my race. And uh, I shouldn't be denied service based on uh, refusing to get experimental medicine from these pharmaceutical companies that stand to gain a lot of money from uh, making us take it. So that's my stance on the vaccine mandate. And number three, I guess, and just another very big animating uh, policy behind our campaign is my... uh, hard stance against critical race theory, which I really believe is just anti-white racism, to be quite frankly, and it's taxpayer-funded anti-white racism. And I think it's something really that the GOP is not doing anything to address. And, you know, some people get a little squeamish when I bring it up. But, you know, really, if you look at it, this is something that a lot of GOP voters and Trump supporters are saying. I mean, there was a recent Yahoo article that pulled um, a variety of uh, Trump and GOP supporters And 84% of those polls said they somewhat or strongly agree that there is high levels of anti-white racism in the country. And they also polled Democrats in that same article, or from the poll in that same article, and found that 40% of Democrats strongly or or somewhat agree that there is high levels of anti-white racism in the country. So um, in regards to that, those are kind of the three animating principles, or animating principles, policies behind my campaign, the immigration moratorium, the uh, 25-year immigration moratorium, the total ban on vaccine passports both at all levels of the country, really, and in all aspects of the United States. And then, really, a uh, comprehensive stance against critical race theory, which, like I said, is just taxpayer funded uh, anti-white racism. And then, um, again, my education. I went to Cal State Fullerton. Um, I graduated there in fall 2016 with a bachelor's degree in history, magna cum laude. Uh, shortly after that, I went to Hungary, where I taught English for two years, Uh, and I really had a formative experience in my life living in Hungary and Viktor Orban's Hungary. I mean, if you're a right-wing person or follow, you know, nationalist uh, movements around the world, you'd know that Viktor Orban's Hungary has kind of been a leading example, a shining light, if you will, in the world uh, for what people can do. I mean, this is a country with a GDP smaller than the state of New York, and they're able to have strong borders where they have a border fence. They're able to, you know, protect their youth from the depredations and transgressions of the radical LGBT movement, which is taking over the world. And I think, you know, it's something really admirable. And, it, you know, maybe you think here as an American, you know, I think we're the greatest country in human history. And, you know, if a small country like Hungary, which I have great respect for, can replicate, can do something like that. We can certainly replicate it. If not, do something better. So living over there, uh, um, really had a huge formative impact on my conservative outlook, my conservative worldview. And, uh, coming back to the States afterward, I attempted to uh, go to, I went to graduate school for about a year, and then they had the uh, vaccine mandate uh, put in at the Cal State system, so I decided to stop attending college um, in light of that and decided to throw my hat to ring into politics because I wanted to get my master's first before I did that, but, you know, I said, well, I feel compelled to do so and to go fight for my country and to help put America first, and this is the best way I know how, and, you know, I just feel, I was, I don't like saying things like I was called to it, but something within me told me to go out and put my hat in the ring. So I decided to throw it out there and really try to bring a comprehensive America First vision like what President Trump tried to do uh, to Orange County and really, you know, help mold uh, the conservative movement out here and actually, you know, send Katie Porter back to Iowa to remember where she belongs.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I just want to let you know, and listeners know that Real People USA supports everything you just said, brother. Everything, yeah, that everything. I'm on the record. Everything you just said. I, I and we had this conversation before, like a week ago. I support everything you you just said, and I'll tell you that a lot of Americans also support what you just said, based on that poll that you gave, because it's ridiculous with this CRT thing, and we know the the underlying. Uh, reasons why like you said anti-white racism that's the reason why they're doing it so uh, let's say so um, you decided to run you gave me the reason why you wanted to why you decided to run because you saw you had a a change in your college uh, education progression are the are there any other reasons why you decided to run
1: yeah well of course uh in addition to that too i just feel that the conservative movement in orange county isn't doing justice to the great people that live here you know i'm I'm a California native, unlike most of the people in the race. Uh, I think the only California native this freaking call is, but I'm a California native, U.S. citizen, grew up in Southern California my whole life. I grew up in Big Bear Lake, but you know I've lived in the 45th district where I'm running for the past 10, 11 years, and I can tell you that these people epitomize uh, the American dream or what it means to be a great American. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that just in a hollow sense. I really mean that. I mean Orange County, California, I think is synonymous with. You know the good life so to speak what many americans would think you know oh, this is a good life this is what it means to kind of made it achieve the american dream and you know i live in this county where we've had you know great people like richard nixon who was born here and not in the 45th district but our county and you know i just want to say that it's just kind of to me i feel that i wanted to put my hat in the ring like i said just to be a voice for them because i talked to all these activists that's how i got my in politics I'm doing grassroots activism primarily since immigration and all these other things and i wanted to uh bring a real, like I said, authentic America first movement to these people who I meet at these uh, rallies and to the everyday Americans and families and workers that I see that make our district here so great. You know, the 45th district, like I said, it's the epitome of the American dream. These people are small business owners, they're homeowners, they're active and engaged in their civic organizations, they're running Little League games, they're attending church functions you know, that's what, you know, Alexis de said was, you know, beautiful about Americans, you know, book American Democracy, or when he was talking about it, was that, you know, you had an active and engaged populace that made the country worth living in. And, you know, I think we have that again right here in the 45th District, and you see that. And so I wanted to run and really be a voice for those people and uh, really, you know, speak up and offer, solutions that they're talking about at their kitchen table at home amongst themselves, but that the politicians and the greater and the uh, Republican Party in Orange County isn't, you know, listening to and translating to on the national and local platform, if that makes sense.
0: No, absolutely. And for people who may not, cause see, I believe, Nick, you're going to get the supporters from across the country. Uh, people have their eyes on California. And a lot of people that I speak with, and I'm from Florida originally, which is another uh, great uh, place to 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 have grown up, but people are looking at California, and Nick, what they're saying is, I don't want my state to become like California is now. Because I remember Orange County, just like you said, it was like like uh, apple pie with baseball, apple pie and Chevrolet, one of those kind of towns. I mean, you got Beach, you got Newport Beach, you got Costa Mesa, you got uh, Santa Ana, you got um, uh, Anaheim.
1: You have all the great beach, San Clemente, Laguna Beach. That's all in Huntington. That's all in Orange County. None of them are in the 42th District. I'm more central and inland Orange County. But nonetheless, uh, the greater Orange County area, like you said, has always been a bastion of conservatives. Like I said earlier, my favorite president, and I think a man who's kind of been neglected by the Republican Party, but my favorite president, Richard Nixon, um, is from Yorba Linda. And, yes. you know, Orange County's always had a very strong Republican influence. And um, it's only been waning, I think, in recent years uh, primarily due to two reasons. Uh, One is mass migration, again. You know, we get, I mean, that issue I always talk about, it comes back up because it permeates everything. I mean, if you look at the, quite frankly, the demographic shift, particularly in North Orange County, Mm -hmm. um, allows for the uh, Democrats to just kind of seize these areas, for example, like Tustin or, you know, uh, Puena Park and some of these other areas in North. Puena Park's outside my district, Tustin's within it. And even within areas like Irvine, these are more affluent. Which again is in my district, but these are more affluent immigrants. You know, kind of like these people getting in on the EB five visas, known as the billionaire visa. Mm-hmm. Kind of Chinese oligarchs, wealthy sheiks uh, from uh, the Middle East, and obviously I'm kind of being uh, you know stereotypical there in my assessments of it, but you get what I mean. These are wealthy citizens coming, but what they're doing nonetheless in Irvine or Tustin, how the Democrats are capitalizing on that demographic shift. Is they're using these people to vote against the traditional interests of the people who helped build Orange County and made it great in the first place and this is something that we're seeing happen all over the country and I think um you know just you and I Rick discussed this earlier uh being and I remember we talked about this on the phone about you know nationalism I think a lot of Republicans kind of shy away from that obviously I think they've done a lot to paint that in a negative context but I think I want to clarify that nationalism obviously I think is unique to each country every country has an expression of it and America we are a multiracial, multi-ethnic country, but I do believe that nonetheless we can have this sense of nationalism where, you know, you as a black man and I as a, as a white man can take great mutual pride in these founding fathers and the uh, in the country and everything they established for us because that's an inheritance for all Americans, regardless of color or creed, and that's something I think that's always been emphasized, and the way I think they've kind of, uh, you know, turned American history against us has been very detrimental, so... You know, I just kind of want to make that point. I think we got to uh, embrace a more robust nationalist vision of what it means to be an American, which is, you know, again, having a respect for our history, having a respect for American workers, respecting our industry, uh, making sure that we are, again, focusing on domestic issues, uh, what's happening locally, and uh, not, you know, going on ideological crusades abroad or, you know, trying to social engineer countries outside of our realm, uh, outside of our hemisphere. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So let's say, Nick, you're running. Let's say you know you're running. If more people like you do not run and with the same focus, with the same energy, and the same you know America First uh, platform, where were like? Where do you think our country's going if, if people like you do not run and win?
1: Well, you know, we're already seeing it right now with the GOP. You know, what they're trying to do they're trying to distance themselves from President Trump. We're seeing it all the time, and I see it in the candidates in the race next to me. You know, I'm going to go out and say that you have guys like Sean Collins who's proudly going out there and, you know, eulogizing Colin Powell and, you know, and, you know touting his endorsements from Lindsey Graham. I mean, these guys are both these are guys that were both you know heavily involved in orchestrating the disastrous wars that are put or put our country into debt and caused chaos and discord around the world i mean i wouldn't want any kind of endorsement from them and quite frankly i don't think they should be honored or remembered in the capacity they were you know just like uh president trump said about Cole Powell, and i think that really uh lucy graham should, shouldn't even be in the u.s senate i mean it's really pathetic so i wouldn't even you know be doubting uh, those endorsements. And it's just its just the rise of the rhinos. You know, President Trump did so much to expose these people. He did so much to, you know, call them out and show us the light. You know, 2016, I think, was a huge realization for many people that, you know, we're not just fighting against the Democrats. We're fighting against the Republicans, if you saw the way they treated President Trump and his movement in the, uh, you know, lead up to the 2016 election. So I think if people like myself don't run and there aren't more American First candidates, like, again, like great people like Joe Kent in the state of Washington, and, uh, you know, people who are running and people who are currently in Congress, too. Like, you know, again, Paul Gosar, who I think, is, you know, my current favorite congressman, or Thomas Baskin, Kentucky, these great guys, if there aren't people who aren't really putting America first at the center of their platform and talking about these issues, about trade, about foreign policy, about addressing big tech, then we're just going to go down the path of what the GOP's been and what our country's been doing for the last 20 or 30 years, which is invading the world, inviting the world, allowing corporations to determine our to determine our national discourse, and really kind of have this uh, America that's not a nation which you're proud of, but is really just an international transfer station for the world's refuse and a playground for the super elite, while the normal American citizens are kind of just living in favela slums among illegal <laughs> immigrants from all corners of the world. And I don't mean to paint such a bleak picture.
0: Oh, no, no, I, mean, I think you're painting the, the correct picture.
1: No, that's, that's what it is, you know what I mean? Again, uh, the American people, what does it say? You know, it says, we the people. You know, that's what it says, right? And that's what I always tell people. It's like, you know, we have to stop all of this stuff, all of these, you know, false platitudes, all of these values that are put forth from the think tanks in Washington, D.C., from a bunch of Ivy League educated guys who never worked a day in their lives. You know what? You know who really makes America great? The, the American people. That's what I talk about. You know, who fought the wars? Who worked the factories? Who put their lives and souls of blood, sweat, and tears into, you know, settling and building this country for us, their posterity. It was the American people. So I always go back to that's our greatest resource. Every country's greatest resource is its people. I firmly believe that. And I think it's time to put a focus on the American people, to put put a focus on our country. And if we don't do that, we're going to go, again, just down the path we've already been going with the GOP and the Democrats, because it's really the Uniparty, where they're waging these foreign wars. Uh, they're looting the heartland, looting the American citizens with, you know, these taxes Programs to fund all these, you know, uh, liberal wet green policies and foreign aid programs, and we just have to really end it and, uh, you know, kind of again put America first and more importantly, put Americans first. So I hope that answers your question.
0: Oh, definitely, definitely. And uh, Nick, uh, I know you are, you are a history buff, and in the next coming days, I'm going to talk more about this Bolshevik uh, revolution. Things I see some a lot of similarities between what happened in 1917. And what is happening uh, now and in the future? I would love for you to come back and talk about that, since you are a history buff and history gra- a major, and I think you know about that. So if you would,
1: no, oh, yeah, of course, you know, definitely uh, give me a give me a chance. I'd love to do that. I mean, the Russian Revolution—I know a little bit about it. I definitely know some. We were talking about it briefly, and uh, I would definitely love to come on. I would just want to do my own research so I could really give your show. Uh, the premium information it deserves. But I do know a little bit about it, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, you know, when you look at what's, well, I would actually say, personally, just in my opinion, what happened, I think, in 2020, and uh, Revolver News talked about this, is kind of reminiscent of what we've seen go on in uh, U.S.-led uh, color revolutions in the uh, former Soviet uh, bloc countries, in mm-hmm. Ukraine, where, and I'm not, I think the Soviet Union isn't out a comparison. I just want to say, though, I think in regards to what we saw, which was kind of this lockstep, march, uh, this marching lockstep of the national media apparatus, the academia, all the po- uh, po- uh, popular private public institutions in society going against President Trump, going against his voters, saying that the election was fair, and all of the preceding, you know, George Floyd riots and COVID hysteria really was a giant color revolution, a giant year-long theme for- Stealing the country from us. And I think, again, you've seen that happen so much in all around the world, wherever the U.S. goes to Ukraine or Georgia or these various countries where they overthrow their leaders and, you know, who are you know, rightfully elected like President Trump were, Trump was, and in the aftermath, chaos ensues and this small group of people gets very wealthy. So um, I think we, I think that's a very apt comparison. But I think in regards to the Russian Revolution, what you're seeing here, yes, I mean, uh, in many respects, America has similarities to russia in the sense we're both very large diverse countries um, and uh it's a revolutionary period there and where we're at here uh, but again i just think every historical epoch is different and uh just from my perspective i think kind of what happened um, last year in 2020 is more reminiscent of what we've seen of recent state department and cia actions and these color revolutions overseas but again this radicalized uh, you know, cosmopolitan elite that we have uh, in this country is very troublesome, and they're doing awful things. And again, they're very much admir- ad- admirers of what the uh, people who pulled off the Bolshevik Revolution—you uh, know—were able to do. Because again, the people who pulled off, you know, like what Time Magazine in an article described as the fortification of the election, wasn't—you know—this large swath of American society. It was a small group of permanent bureaucrats, of wealthy billionaires, of all these. You know, kind of disparate wealthy interests who sought to overrule President Trump's popular second election mandate, second election victory, and do so because they wanted to you know, implement their globalist vision on the country. So, in their regards, it's you know, kind of in regards to the Russian Revolution and what we have here, it's these two small groups uh, controlling vast empires against the interests of the majority of the population, and that, and that, I think is kind of what's going on.
0: And right, and and even with all that. President Trump still won. <laughs>
1: no, he did. No, he did. And I, I want to say that too. That's what I can, uh, you know, And none of you understand it. Like, again, they want to like move away from President Trump. You know, for example, I don't know. Uh, I love President Trump. I really do. I mean, he's to me and if I got an endorsement from him, I mean, it would, for me, it would be complete. I mean, just in life, you know, kind of already. I mean, unless I, you know, find a wife that's Have kids (laughs) soon. are McCall's. But I mean, man, get endorsed because, you know, people can have their criticisms, but I always think of what President Roosevelt said, you know, know, when he talks about the man in the arena. And President Trump was the ultimate man in the arena. You know, obviously, I think, you know, for example, I'm not a fan of the vaccine, and he's tried to take some credit for that, which I think he should kind of distance himself from, honestly. But, you know, and some other things, for example, like the treatment of the January 6th protesters, I think isn't a great mark on his record. But overall, Nonetheless, uh, what I will say about President Trump is that he loves the American people. He loves his voters. And he really put it all on the line for us. He didn't have to you know, give up his life as a billionaire, living in a New York skyscraper, dating supermodels, to talk about what's going on to the machinists in Cleveland, Ohio, to talk about what's going on to the Americans left behind by the industrialization, left behind in the heartland, made to feel like foreigners in their own country, surrounded by citizens who don't speak English and have no respect for us. I mean, he was going out and speaking out on issues that we as Americans, like I said, talked about as on our kitchen tables. The deterioration of our country, the deterioration of our sense of civic identity, the deterioration of our morals. I mean, this is something he really attacked and for that, you know, like President Nixon, uh, they attacked him and they removed him. And, uh, you know, that's why I think also those two men, you know, you know, my favorite presidents in modern history. Nixon is my all-time favorite, obviously, probably next to George Washington. But uh, I think those two men really represented a threat to the established order, and their movements kind of galvanized and united large portions of the country, and really made them uh, awaken to this kind of, uh, like I said, this uniparty, this globalist establishment that's really trying to, you know, take our country down.
0: Well, I tell you what, Nick. You will have a lot of people smiling after they hear this uh, interview because I'm smiling right now. Nick, take us take us home and tell us how people can contact you and how can they donate and how can they subscribe to what your, your to your mailing list and to what you're doing.
1: Oh, well, like I said, I, I really appreciate Rick you giving me the platform and I'm, I'm very honored. And like I said, uh, how you can get involved is first go to my website, votefornickoc45 dot com. Hit the contact tab. You can go there, uh, find out how you can contact us campaign get back to me but this is a grassroots campaign like i said i'm i'm not running in the interest of foreign lobbies or the corporate oligarchs i want to run for the everyday americans who voted for president trump who still wears the make america great again hat who wants to put america first and that's why i'm out here doing it so i'm not going to be accepting any money from any big corporate packs or anything like that i want to make this kind of almost like and i, I know we're going to cringe when i say this but like what bernie sanders talked about when he had these small average donations i want mm-hmm. to have an army of donations from all over the country I want to you know form like Pat cannon that is that uh, during the 1992 election that is is the cannon brigade I want to have Forrest's troops where we're you know again relying on this nationwide movement to help us get a congressional seat that really helps put America first in California's 45th district so Go to votefornickoc45.com. Uh, check out my Instagram, uh, at forrest 45 oc You know, there I'm always posting stuff, my uh, various ideas on policy prescriptions, uh, seeing what I'm doing out on the trail, because again, I'd like to emphasize I'm the most active and American-first candidate in California's 45th district. No one's going to as much uh, rallies or school board meetings as I am. No one's had as much town halls as I've had. I've had two town halls on my own, one on immigration, one on critical race theory. I'm having another... Um, in November on foreign policy, um, and I also participated the same in a town hall with the other candidates uh, back on September nineteenth, and I'm going to be participating in another one with the other candidates hosted by the Irvine Women's Federated on October twenty eighth. Uh, the point is though, I'm out, I'm active on the trail. I mean what I say. I'm one of you guys. I'm the American. I'm I, you know I'm I'm a part of the American people, and you know one of the great things about our country is that men from humble means, you know, again like my heroes like. Richard Nixon, the son of a grocer, Andrew Jackson, the son of a frontiersman. Uh, these men rose up from nothing. And, you know, again, Thomas the American Group. So I'm like, I, I'm truly running my campaign in their mold. I'm trying to be a voice for you. So, again, go to votefornickoc45.com, uh, hit donate, check out my social media at NickChorse45OC or my Facebook page, nickchorse uh ca 45 and, uh, you know, just do what you can if you can't donate or just come out and volunteer if you're in South Orange County, California's 45th district. Uh, I have events all the time. Go to my uh, website, look at the events calendar, check it out. Uh, I'm always on the campaign trail, always willing to speak at the drop of a hat. I'll go to the farthest reaches of Antarctica or to the hottest deserts in the Serengeti. I, I don't really care. I'm always willing to have a platform and fun. I'm at time square. So. Um, I really appreciate you having me on Rick, I'm really honored, and you know, we just got to really, I think, as Americans move forward uh, in that 1776 spirit and that 2016 spirit because I think those are two really great years in our history and we have to, you know, again, I always tell people, whatever you think about President Trump, um, or whatever your misgivings or this, that, or the other, you can't deny you put it all on the lives of the American people. You can't...
0: Oops. Hello? Well, it looks like we probably uh, lost Nick toward the end. All right, Nick is back. Keep I'm going. Sorry, no,
1: I could, sorry, I guess my call dropped, so I Yeah, just like I said, uh, keep President Trump in our hearts. Uh, again, apologies for that, Rick. I guess that.
0: Oh no problem. I can. I can. Y'all be able to edit. I'll, I'll be able to attach the, the two audio, so no problem. But
1: like I said, just just keep President Trump in our heart. Uh, keep everything. He taught us about putting America first, about, you know, being concerned about American workers, protecting our borders, protecting our sovereignty. We have to, you know, again, really move away from, I feel like, this Washington consensus, move away from the think tanks, move away from the experts and move back to what America, made America great, which is us, the American people. We constitute the country, we created its values, we created its institutions, and it's time that we remind those public servants and those people who are currently at the helm of our institutions that they rule with our consent. So ultimately I go forward in this campaign with the spirit of 1776, the spirit of 2016 in my heart. Hopefully we can replicate those times and uh, you know make something better and move forward and you know again put America first and put Americans first once more.
0: All right. Nick Torres, District 45 Republican candidate, um, uh, a large portion of Orange County, not the beaches. Nick, I want to thank you for your time today and make it a great day.
1: Yeah, you too, Rick. Thank you.
0: All right. Bye bye.